We're two years into this damn pandemic, and you would think we'd have it down by now. Masks, vaccines, tests, and all that. But across K-12 classrooms, the chaos that the Omicron variant has wrought, man, it ain't pretty. Parents, teachers, school administrators, the CDC, and practically all the adults are trying to figure all this out. But they better do it fast. Because to paraphrase the old Who song, the kids aren't all right. I'm Gustavo Ariano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. It's Thursday, January 27th, 2022. How are my peas? Peter Piper picked a peck of pickled peppers, a peck of pickled peppers, Peter Piper Well, picked. it seems fine there, uh, but it comes out in the recordings more than the Zoom. For our listeners, Mario Diaz is our engineer. He makes sure I sound great. The podcast sounds great. Es el mero mero cantinero of this here podcast, a.k.a. our rock, our foundation, our badass. Pinche Mario. Ah, que jefe. How you doing? <laughs> What's up, man? And Mario, I know you've been working from home since the time started, and you have three kids in school. So how have they been during this whole pinche pandemic? Uh, well, they've been good. I mean... We all have the stresses of being at home, working from home, trying to be uh, safe. And it's kind of the same thing for them, maybe a little bit more exaggerated because we keep them from socializing as much as possible. Uh, we have to let them do stuff, but, you know, we're all trying to be safe. And it's hard for you folks because you have three children, obviously different ages, but they are all like at different levels of this pandemic. Talk about Maurice. My oldest, Maurice, who is a sophomore now in, at Cal State Long Beach, he started his senior year in high school when the pandemic hit. He was doing his school from home and no graduation, no prom. It was like really disappointing. We had a prom through Zoom, so we were just joined through like a camera <laughs> there's just a dj and then people would just turn on their cameras you'd see your faces and you'd hear the music <laughs> it was a little weird and then marcus who's a freshman at cal state long beach now his whole senior year was during lockdown and schooling from home i tried joining a club to meet people but like the only connection i could make with them was just on social media my daughter maylin is a senior at Downey High School. One major concern that me and my friends have been talking about is that it's been pretty ambiguous whether or not we're getting our senior activities for the year, kind of rallies or dances or parties. It seems that we're not going to get those either. Damn, so you had three kids, one after the other, going through senior year and not being able to experience what people go through in senior years. As a parent, it's sad because, you know, those are your formative years. Those are the years where you make those friends that are kind of your lifetime friends. As far as for me and my wife, uh, we still hang out with our friends from high school, from our senior year. Same. You know, there's a certain bond that happens. You're going to all these parties and you're you're starting college together. But... No está pasando. It's not happening. Totally not the same. The high schools, they're still the ones who are trying to do it in person. And all of this confusion, sometimes it's hard for parents to really know what's happening in their kids' minds. And that's why we asked Malin to record some audio diaries for us. Uh, 
Uh, hi, today is January 13th. Uh, my first class is still pretty empty. Like a lot of people have dropped out. And I actually had a teacher in my last class of uh, the day she came back from having COVID. I don't know why, but she didn't like tell us in the beginning of the semester. Today is Tuesday. It's the 18th of January. Um, a lot of kids have actually came back from COVID after two weeks into the school year. Some One of my classrooms, my English classroom, it actually filled up even more. Like, all the kids that were gone were practically back, which was pretty nice. It felt like a full classroom, but then it also felt kind of weird so to see it like all stuffy again it kind of made me kind of like nervous again today is thursday it's january 20th we are what seems to be going through like a mini wave of covid it's not like a huge amount of kids that are gone now and aside from that um we took a poll in my sixth period class we were debating on like the positives and negatives of masks and most people point out more bad things than positive. Um, but they do say that like, being safer outweighs most of the negatives. Today is January 21st of 2022. And yeah, there hasn't been any like kids that refuse to wear masks. But even with our like precautions and such, COVID is still like uncontrollable. So only the future will be able to like tell us whether we'll make it or not. You're hearing all of this, Mario. What's your reaction? It's uh, good to hear that she's as concerned <laughs> as she should be. But as she also told me that some kids actually tested positive over the weekend when they gave them the tests and they still uh, attended school to find out that at school they told somebody and then they were uh, taken out of school. Wow. We don't know. All this concern, all this chaos. So today we're dedicating this episode to those on the cusp of adulthood, 17 and 18 year olds like Malin who are navigating growing up with COVID. After the break, we'll take you inside the classroom with an LA Times reporter and students who were hitting all kinds of barriers as they continue to push to make their schools feel safer. Welcome back. Our LA Times education team has been on top of the COVID-19 Omicron surge story, and reporter Melissa Gomez has followed the challenges that schools face to keep their doors open. And she also reported on why and how students are tired and starting to take action. Melissa, welcome to the Times. Hi, thanks for having me, Gustavo. Man, just when it seemed schools and parents and teachers were figuring out how to do in-person learning again, Omicron just messed up everything. And it really blew up while winter break for schools was happening here in California, which means that when they reopened, there was going to be problems. From your reporting, what has it been like for students and teachers coming back? 
you know, we saw that happening in every city and every state. A lot of students were missing from the classroom because they tested positive or they were quarantining because they were, you know, exposed to someone who tested positive. A lot of staff members were out. So there was already a staff shortage when school started. But the Omicron variant, which because of how contagious it was, was just affecting everyone, it really compounded that issue. A lot of teachers and support staff were testing positive. So you had district administrators leaving their offices to cover classrooms and sort of sit in as teachers. Wow. And not only that, the people who are actually going in, they're also scared because here's this Mm -hmm. variant just going all over and so many people are testing positive, even if they were vaccinated and boosted. Right. The absences among students was not just students who were testing positive for COVID. It was students who were afraid to go back. You know, their parents were afraid to send them back because everyone was catching COVID at that time. So everyone at Los Angeles Unify is now required to take a COVID test before they come onto campus. How are schools implementing that? Yeah, so Los Angeles Unified, the second largest school district in the country, has been doing this since the start of the school year. They pretty much have it down when it comes to testing folks. It's something like 500,000 people every week. So what Los Angeles Unified ended up requiring at the beginning of this spring semester was asking everyone to come back with a negative COVID test in order to come back onto campus. They issued that decision over winter break. So it was sort of a mad scramble to get that out to everyone, uh, make sure that students and staff knew that they had to come back to campus with a negative COVID test and causing a little bit of chaos on the first day because of the fact that they had to upload a negative COVID test onto the daily path, uh, which is a system that they use to come into school every day. But ultimately it worked in the sense that, you know, it kept a lot of folks who were testing positive away from campus. Earlier this month, 12 Oakland schools had to close down when teacher staged a quote-unquote sick out, and they were asking for more COVID safety measures to be put in place. How are teachers feeling right now? LAUSD is pretty unique in the sense that they do mandatory testing, regardless of vaccination status for students and staff. Not every school district has the capacity to do that. So in the Oakland Unified School District, teachers were essentially asking, you know, can we implement mandatory weekly testing? Can we make sure that students have KN95 masks, which we know are the most effective when it comes to stopping the spread of COVID? The sick outs in Oakland were not organized by the union. These were essentially teachers at schools who were getting together and deciding to do something as a way to get the attention of their school district. Um, So a lot of teachers are scared. And I know a lot of like teachers are even putting their own money into like buying students the proper masks because sometimes the surgical masks aren't the best fit or are barely anything to really stop the spread of COVID. I spoke to 17-year-old Nuriel Cajigas from Oakland Technical High School. She's one of the student leaders who signed a petition to demand extra COVID safety protocols and is helping students organize around the issue. I think especially highlighting the lack of communication that we got from a lot of our admin people, it it was really difficult. Like most of the information that I got coming back was from peers or even teachers that we had to like go out and search ourselves instead of it being like readily available to us, which is a little bit important if it's something as big as reopening and going back into schools. In Oakland, students started circulating a petition essentially asking for increased COVID safety measures, you know, KN95 masks for all students. 
protected outdoor spaces so that they could eat outside. So that petition got a lot of traction online. More than 1,200 students signed it. You know, clarifying, hey, this is what we need and this is how we should do it. This is how you can incorporate what we really want in order to make our whole community safer. When the district did not meet all of their demands, the Oakland students held a boycott where they told students to stay home or asked their teachers to mark them absent if they chose to go to school. I know an alternative for me and something that I was telling to a lot of other kids were to still go to class, but ask to be marked absent so that we'd still get our education, but, you know, participate in strike efforts. The district initially met some of the demands the students were asking for, but not all. So they officially began to boycott. But on Tuesday, the district came to a tentative agreement with the teachers union to offer weekly access to COVID testing for students and staff, satisfying the final demand students were holding out for. We're the ones actually facing it on a day-to-day basis. And it's really, really tiring if us as students or us as teachers, faculty, staff have to be the ones to make our own COVID policies. You know, a lot of students throughout the nation have recognized how our institutions have become unreliable. After this break, we'll take you to a different school and talk to one student who's speaking up at school board meetings and dealing with online trolls. Welcome back. Melissa, everything that we've been talking about, you saw unfold in Redondo Beach. That's a wealthy city, what, like 40 minutes southwest of downtown L.A. And you spoke to an 18-year-old senior, Michael Lee Chang. He goes to Redondo Union High School, and he and dozens of other students did a walkout on January 12th. Michael's story sort of begins, you know, when he was a sophomore, when the pandemic first hit. He started using his Instagram stories to update his classmates on, you know, schedule changes, upcoming announcements. And through that, he's sort of gained this large following. He's at about 4,700 followers, which is more than the size of his school. His school is about 3,000 kids. And so leading up to that, he heard about this walkout happening at his school that he says he had no part in organizing. But it was to essentially, you know, raise the issue of COVID safety measures. And so he shared that on his Instagram stories. And essentially what ended up happening is that that caught the attention of a lot of students and administrators too heard about it through social media. So Michael, when he goes back to school this spring semester, he starts seeing his classrooms empty out. Most students, for the most part, have adapted to getting used to just interacting with masks on I wouldn't say, you know, there's too much social distancing going on. It's pretty much the same high school experience, except you can only see half of everyone's faces. Beginning of the week, they start with all of their students in the classroom. All of his classmates are there. And then throughout the week, the classroom is just dwindling. You know, his teachers are calling out sick. He's hearing of other classmates who are sitting in half-empty classrooms as well. And so he also starts becoming concerned about the rise in COVID cases because his school is, like a lot of other schools, just seeing numbers like they hadn't seen before. But the thing is, uh, students at our school, when they have been exposed or have COVID and they have to quarantine, 
they just have to stay home until they come back. Uh, which means especially, you know, a crucial time like now when every class is reviewing for finals, they're missing out on that review. And when they return, they're expected to make up all this new material and finals at the same time without that same review students in person receive. And there's this other concern right now of students who do test positive for COVID or were exposed to it still attending school. Michael goes to the school board meeting and it's, you know, school board meetings have sort of become a uh... A battleground in a way of, you know, people expressing anti-vaccine sentiments or anti-mask sentiments. And, you know, Redondo Beach is no different. Omicron, it's not what you believe it to be. It's a cold. School children are being subjected to the mixed messaging, confusion, irrationality, and fear peddling from adults. We are not anti-vaxxers. I'm vaccinated, my husband's vaccinated and boosted. We just want to make sure that this vaccine is safe. It's up to you to take control. So, you know, Michael is obviously concerned about the rise in COVID-19 cases. And so he decides to speak up at a school board meeting to express sort of his concerns as well as his other classmates. My name is Michael Lee Chang. I'm a senior at Redondo Union High School. For the last two years, I've been using my Instagram, Michael Mouster, to inform students and advocate for each and every single one of them on a daily basis. So I've seen this entire thing play out before my eyes. In the last two weeks, we have 410 student cases and 31 staff cases. That's more than 13% of the 3,174 students and staff at RUHS alone. And these guidelines are fine, but what's the point if they're not being enforced? The largest clubs are still meeting at lunch indoors. So the day of the walkout itself, how did everything unfold? So the walkout was planned around 10, 15 a.m. It coincided with this um, silent study hall that students go to so that they can, you know, do homework, do assignments during the day. And so what ends up happening is local news media gets wind of this protest happening. And so instead of students heading to their study hall session, they decide to uh, head to the campus quad, which is sort of in the middle of campus. And so they sort of gather and dozens of students kind of show up and it's sort of hard to tell who is involved in the protest and who is there just skipping class, but lasted about 15 minutes as long as uh, students had study hall. At the end of that, they just sort of went back to class. So Melissa, how did Redondo school officials respond to the student walkout? So school officials at Redondo Union High were aware of the walkout. They knew it was going to happen beforehand, and they didn't try to stop it. Students like Michael, who were pretty vocal in their concerns, sat down with administrators and sort of talked out, you know, what is it that they were worried about and what is it that the school could do? And what about parents and teachers and other students who didn't participate in the walkout? How did they react to it? You know, some students were supportive. Some parents were supportive. Some parents showed up outside of campus to see what was happening. And I spoke to one student who uh, didn't see the point of the walkout. Michael says overall, students were pretty supportive of his speech at the school board meeting. He's had to face some trolling online by this Instagram page that is claiming to be, you know, Redondo Beach parents. Oh, God. 
So they are calling him fearful and, and telling him to just stay home if he's afraid, go to independent study. And he's not really bothered by a lot of that. What happened to him on the day of the walkout is that when he was having lunch, he was sitting down with some friends and, and someone threw a milk carton at him. And that's not great. Wow, milk carton all, all over a walkout. There's been similar walkouts in schools nationwide, Oakland and Chicago, New York City, Portland, of course, Portland. But I'm not seeing that student mass momentum like, say, for Black Lives Matter or the aftermath of the Parkland, Florida massacre from some years ago. You know, in Chicago, we saw hundreds of students out in the street. I came here because Lori Lightfoot chose to send us to school over the clear COVID issue with the surges happening because of the variants. But I think schools have had a while to get some safety protocols in place. Um, it's not to the degree, of course, like you mentioned, of you know Black Lives Matters movements and the aftermath of Parkland. But it's sort of reflective of how students are kind of tired of adults telling them what to do all the time. They have been in this pandemic for two years and they think sometimes adults don't always make the right choices. And sometimes they want options for them, whether it's just having a hybrid option for attending school or just having some sort of say. Melissa, thank you so much for this conversation. Thanks so much for having me. Everyone, check out the full range of our education coverage from kindergarten to college at latimes.com or better yet, subscribe to our education newsletter, 823. That's all about school, kids, and parenting. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Tomorrow, something completely different. The guy from Blur that says, woo-hoo, talk trash on Taylor Swift. Good luck with that, man. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Kasha Brasalian, Melissa Kaplan, Ashley Brown, and Angel Carreras. Our engineer is Mario Diaz, and he was a guest here. Muchas gracias, el pinche Mario. Our editors are Lauren Rabb and Kinsey Moreland. Our executive producers are Jasmine Aguilera and Shawnee Hilton. And our theme music is by Andrew Eapin. Like what you're listening to? Then make sure to follow The Times on whatever platform you use. Don't make us to put you podcasts. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news and desmadre. Gracias. Gracias.